This is Within and Between, a podcast about the methods and meta-science behind developmental science. It's a bad start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got it. We got it. We got okay, it. Okay, we got it. Ready? Here we you go. got it? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Hi. My name is Jessica Logan. And I'm Sarah Hart. And together we are within and between. Welcome. We're very excited to be here for our inaugural very first episode. Yes. Of our inaugural very first podcast. Great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're both a longtime podcast listeners, first time podcast makers. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. I'm very excited. Um, it's our goal, I guess. I'll talk a little bit about the goal of our podcast is um, it's to talk about developmental science and how we do it because we are both developmental scientists. I'm going to start by saying really quickly uh, who we are, I think, and what our current positions are and why we consider ourselves to be developmental scientists. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so would you like to tell me, Sarah, Dr. Hart, would you okay. like to tell me all about why you consider yourself a developmental scientist and who you are and where you work? Yeah, so like I said, so I'm Sarah Hart. Uh, I am an associate professor uh, at, um, at where where do I work again? Yeah, somewhere okay. hot. Yeah, it is hot. It is quite hot here right now. Uh, so I am an associate professor uh, in the Department of Psychology and also a faculty affiliate of the Florida Center for Reading Research at the Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. Jess, where that are you? That's quite a mouthful, Dr. Hart. <laughs> Do you see why I stumbled the first time? Which will be forever held. Well, in. yes. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear mine. So uh, I am an assistant professor of quantitative research, evaluation, and measurement in the educational studies department in the College of Education and Human Ecology at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, you win. I think we actually. should time them. Yes. <laughs> that was a lot of words. Yeah, it's a lot. Quantitative research, evaluation, and measurement. We really wanted to make sure everybody knew what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fully describe it in the title of our area. I yeah, like exactly. <laughs> and so even though you, uh, your title here, you're in development, uh, developmental psychology. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm in a college of education with my, my position is explicitly methods. So my quantitative research is my uh, name the name of my area by title, but all of the quantitative methods that I do are related to developmental science. Yeah. So and that's why I consider myself a developmental scientist. Yeah. And I guess I count myself as a developmental scientist, um, mostly because I'm really interested in understanding kind of why some students are do better in school than other students, kind of the individual differences of school achievement, especially with reading and math. And for the most part, students are children and they're developing. Uh, and I'm really, <laughs> to lean into that idea, I, I really 
like, um, I'm really interested in kind of how how students like develop, how individuals develop across time. Uh, so those two things, kind of be interested in students and really interested in how students kind of change across time, uh, I mm-hmm. think are what make me a developmental scientist. Yeah, I like that a lot. I study very similar things. What's really interesting, I think, is that we we do study slightly similar things. I guess it depends on how big your sphere is, right? In the sphere of science as a whole, we're very, very similar. Yes. But once you get down into developmental science, we're in fundamentally different camps for a lot of what we do. You think so? Fundamentally different, eh? Okay, fine. Not fundamentally different. <laughs> but I do an awful lot of uh, sort of but by the definition of my work, I do an awful lot of uh, intervention research. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I do a lot of helping uh, helping design research studies to help people understand whether a new uh, treatment works for kids. And so I'll do a lot of thinking about putting kids in groups. I split kids into two groups or three groups, and then we figure out if one group does better than the other groups. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm a, I'm a splitter in that way in a lot of the methods that I work with in my funded work, whereas I feel like you, you like these individual differences. So you have everybody as a whole. Yeah, you know, I think, I think you'd be really hard pressed to try to get me to even like think really about any kind of research question that has to do with groups. I just kind of approach all of my science from an individual differences perspective. I'm really interested about, you know, those research questions, what makes people different from each other. And yeah, so like if I have to do a group differences design uh, or analysis uh, for a paper, you know, I got to take a step back and think like, how does that work again? <laughs> so in addition to, you know, whoever we are, we also want to talk about who the podcast is and why we're doing it. Yeah. So um, sort of our, our goal to talk generally about developmental science as a whole, um, what it is and how we do it. So we're really interested um, in sort of bringing, shedding light onto some of the things about this, doing this kind of science that isn't always talked about. So like uh, data collection, data analysis, we hear a little bit about data analysis, research methods, um, life in academia. We were kicking around, like when we were talking about this, we've kept saying things like, this is kind of like our lab meeting, Mm -hmm. but it's a lab meeting where anybody who listens doesn't actually have to do any readings. And they never have to present. So it's like all the good parts about your lab meeting and none of the stress. You know, that part about not having to do the readings kind of reminds me of how my actual lab meeting sometimes <laughs> feels like how it's going. <laughs> like, how dare you? None of y'all have read this, have you? <laughs> Look at you picking up the word y'all. I know. I've, I've lived in Tallahassee for 10 years now. I've picked it up. This Canadian says y'all. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> so we have, I think we, we have a couple of goals. That's one of them is to talk a little bit about the science of how we're doing this science piece. And then um, it also turns out that we both got into this idea of the science of how we science is called meta science. And we both got into that around relatively the same time. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about meta science and how we got there? Yeah, so uh, meta science is it's kind of same, you know, it's the science of doing scientists or kind of understanding how scientists do science. Um, and I guess we we were both getting there kind of on our own being interested, I, I would say, especially about data, right? And, and mm-hmm. data 
management uh, and data practices uh, mm -hmm. and kind of thinking through how labs were handling their data. I think you being a methodologist had, were finding yourself dealing with other people's data quite a bit. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Hashtag other people's data. Yeah. Such a nightmare. There's a whole hashtag about it, right? <laughs> and yeah, how you could see kind of the craziest things and, and, and that there, and you can't blame people, right? Because we don't train mm -hmm. in that. We don't train students often in how to properly manage data. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, we have, there's no like set standardized way to, to manage data. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think that's, you know, I'm speaking for you, but I think that's kind of how maybe you ended up started thinking about, well, how do people who have good data management practices, how do they do it? How do they train their, their lab to do it? And then what mm -hmm. happens, you know, in labs who maybe um, are struggling with finding good data management practices? And yeah, that's exactly what happened. And in terms of sort of touching a lot of people's data is sort of the thing that I do a lot in this mm -hmm. field and this, uh, you know, I analyze data for lots and lots of people. And so there's such a difference between someone who hands me a nice, clean, pretty data set and somebody who hands me one that's like in 20 different Excel files and you have. 13 blocks of text at the top and you just yeah it's just it's frustrating to deal with and it's by no fault of their own like you said nobody's been training anybody on how to do this everybody just sort of goes well i got to figure out how to put this physical data into a digital form somehow and they do their best mm -hmm. and so yeah i started thinking about that and giving talks on that before i knew it was a that it could be a science yeah and i guess i got into it um because um I was uh, kind of got this idea to uh, submit uh, a grant to the NIH to get funding to set up a data repository for our field. Uh, and we, you know, successfully got the funding. And so I'm in mm -hmm. year two. Uh, yeah, it's an R01 to set up a data repository to store the behavioral data of developmental science uh, and to, to be kind of a field specific, like we are making the data repository for our people. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that it kind of meets the needs of our people, the data, the data storage needs and the data user needs uh, mm -hmm. of, of developmental science. And so as I was kind of, you know, writing that grant and thinking about the idea, uh, I uh, started thinking more about, yeah, how these data practices and what could serve our community, what, how a data repository could serve our community. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, and then we would talk every once in a while because, you know, we're girlfriends and yeah. we would talk about the stuff we're interested in. You would talk about a talk that you were giving and we're like, geez, this is starting to sound awfully similar. <laughs> and, and then last year, you know, on Twitter, I saw this, you know, advertisement for a conference going around called MetaScience. And I think that was the first time for both of us to have a, a word for what we were interested in and what yes. we were doing. And I think what each of us were doing kind of on the side, you know, this is at least not my major content area. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's probably closer to your content, not your content area, but to your like dated, your, your normal day job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my <laughs> <Your data. laughs> uh, But, uh, you know, and so then we got a kind of a word and then I got realizing that, yes, that you can actually do science to understand how people do science. And in particular, we're really interested in developmental science. So yeah. because we're really kind of passionate about this, and I think this is a newer area for both of us. And so it's fun when you're learning something new uh, that we want to talk on this podcast about those kind of those meta science ideas, not just limited to data, though, that maybe where both of us kind of have active scholarship happening, but instead kind of in the broader 
kind of culture and norms of our field and mm-hmm. how, how people are doing developmental science. And yeah, I think one of the things that I've realized as I've gotten into this, you know, going to conferences and meeting more and more people and, you know, talking to you and talking to others about asking for advice about like, how should I handle this particular situation? You, people tend to have really clear ideas of what should be done there are norms in our field that not everyone knows and they aren't necessarily published. And if you have a not very communicative advisor, Mm -hmm. you may or may not know what those norms and rules are. Or if you're just very socially challenged, (laughs) hand up, you may or may not understand what those rules are. That's how I ended up making friends with big name people in the field at my very first conference because I just didn't know that I should not talk to them. <laughs> should you not talk to them? I, I don't know. You shouldn't not talk to them, but I, I certainly didn't have the, what, what one might consider the proper reverence. Uh, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that is terrible. Don't have proper no. reverence. Talk to everyone. Yes. Everybody just wants to be talked to. We're all just humans. Maybe we should yeah, have a whole exactly. episode about that, shouldn't we? Yeah. Oh, we definitely, let me add that to yeah. the list. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have a big old list. We do. So the whole, the whole, uh, let me talk a little bit about the format of what our goal is for how we're going to, we're going to do this. We have a lot, we have a long list of topics that we want to cover and they span all of the different aspects of developmental science that we are doing, um, including all the stuff you just talked about. And mostly what we're going to do is follow the format of pick a topic and chat about it. Mm-hmm. It's a really highly structured format. <laughs> You'll notice. <laughs> we'll add in some sections for, I don't know, just general laughing. I don't know. (laughs) So we're going to have mostly picking a topic and going through it on the list. Eventually we may branch out and do some other things, but I think for now we have so much that we want to cover and we want to talk about um, that this we thought would be an excellent tool. Yeah. Kind of like this idea of having a a lab meeting, an informal lab meeting, kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about how the sausage is made in developmental science. How the developmental sausage is made. <laughs> yeah. Add a little sage and uh, yeah. <laughs> some pepper. Yeah, sprinkle it in. Oh no! So that's basically why we're doing this. And then um, the last thing I have here on our podcast and our list of things to talk about today, uh, about the podcast in general, talk about meta science. We're meta talking about the podcast on the podcast. We're like, just like spiraling up into meta space right yeah. now. <laughs> P-dimensional. Yeah, space. Like half the audience off because they're like, what are these two talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a little too theoretical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted us to talk and explain about our name. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the name we have within and between, which is uh, referencing two different ideas within developmental science. So first is a general developmental science concept. Sarah, you want to talk a little bit about developmental science within and between development? Yeah. So kind of this idea that study uh, how people kind of change across time, they're kind of within change. So within can be how, you know, measuring an individual on a trait you're interested in kind of over time, multiple times and seeing how that individual changes or potentially doesn't change kind of across that time. 
So that's kind of the within, you know, portion of it. How does a person change across time within themselves? And then the between, uh, I think of as, you know, my favorite thing, individual differences. Uh, you know, <laughs> how are people different between individuals? So kind of measuring many different people uh, on a trait of interest and, uh, and kind of seeing, yeah, what's kind of the how and why they're different from each other. Mm -hmm. And so it also is a really common way that we talk about variance in a multi-level modeling perspective or a mixed modeling perspective. So if we have kids who are nested within classrooms, we then will end up partitioning variance within the multi-level model to variance that's between classrooms and variance that's within classrooms. The within classroom variance being, you know, about differences between the kids inside the classroom. Whereas between classroom variance is the differences between the classrooms. So we liked that in terms of the dual reference that it provided for us there. And there's two of us. And then also, there's two of us. Exactly. I also think that as we move forward, we'll be talking about what people do differently between their mm -hmm. labs. We're doing very different kinds of science. Both of them are developmental science. Um, I do an awful lot of active data collection on most of the projects that I'm working yeah, on. Yeah, and um, I'm really great at avoiding that. Yeah, <laughs> very wisely, actually, it turns out. There's a lot of headaches yeah. <laughs> in active data collection. So yeah, even just the difference between our two labs uh, and mm -hmm. thinking about differences. You know, we have a, a pretty good community of like amazing scholars and, and uh, uh, we've had the opportunity to chat with them about how they do their science and kind of talking about the differences that we've heard of between uh, labs and between uh, people working in our field. So that's kind of, yeah, within our field. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I didn't even prep for that one. <laughs> We're just that We're good. That good. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's the origin of the podcast, our within and between podcast. Um, and then I think in the line of origin yeah. stories, the, the other thing I wanted us to do today is really introduce ourselves and talk about how we became developmental scientists. Um, because I think that we both had, we have very different paths and we're driven by very different things and have ended up in different places, but doing pretty similar, I don't know, similar, but different work. Yeah. <laughs> well synthesized, just well synthesized. <laughs> yeah. So I think it will be, you're right. We'll tell our stories and maybe we can talk about what's, you know, in common across them. Well, I guess maybe to preempt that, I think what's in common is how both of us somewhat stumbled into this field. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't, I don't think, intentional for us. And actually, there's very few people that I know of in our field that was intentional. Um, you know, you just kind of mm -hmm. looking back, you can see all the choices you've made that got you there. But as you're making them, you don't necessarily see where you're going. Um, and yeah. so for me, uh, my origin story, you know, I was born in Mississauga, Ontario. No, okay. Yeah, that's too far back. Um, <laughs> it was a Tuesday. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it, uh, it was, it was exactly one year after me. That is right. That is something we have. Yeah, we have, we have not talked mm -hmm. about this yet, but we do. The two of us have the same exact birthday one year apart. <laughs> Yeah. We were meant to have a podcast together, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 
we should have named it after our birthday now that I think about yeah. it. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Anyway, sorry. So you were born on a yeah, Friday. Yeah, I was born on a Friday. Um, and so, okay, I, I, you know, originally went to undergrad. Uh, you know, I, uh, I had thought I was going to be a medical doctor. And I just, I just, I love this so much <laughs> that you, you're driven so much by this idea of being, of, of being a doctor. <laughs> the, the white lab coat. And the may I help you, ma'am? Yeah, know, something about that. I just you know, love it. I love science, and I and I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, I I think I wanted to help people, uh, uh-huh. and so I wanted to be a physician, and um, you know, I was doing that track uh, in undergrad and not doing that well in the classes, um, and but doing really well in kind of my elective classes that I just happened to be taking in psychology. And it made me realize that, wow, you know, actually, maybe a biology major, I shouldn't be a biology major, but I'm really good at psychology, and that's still science. So I'll do psychology as my major, and I'll still get a science degree, and I can still go to medical school, but I can do it the easier way, because it's easy for me. (laughs) Now, once reflecting upon the idea that maybe it was easier for me, because that's where my skill set actually was. (laughs) Aren't people interesting? I can, yeah, we do that all the time. Yeah. And we undervalue the skills we actually are naturally good at. I'm good at reading and synthesizing and, and, and uh, writing uh, and statistics. I'm actually not very good at much other types of math, but I am pretty good at statistics. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like the applied math. And so anyway, so I, after a disastrous turn through organic chemistry, you know, which is the, <laughs> the traditional leader <laughs> class for medical school, I really then started to reflect upon why I wasn't doing very well. And if I had to do a lot more of this type of work at medical school, maybe that wasn't the place for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was around that time I started reflecting on the idea that my professors were also called doctor and I didn't really understand why. Uh, and I didn't know what a PhD was and how that was different than an MD. Uh, you know, I was a mm-hmm. kind of a first generation student and all of these kind of top, these concepts were totally opaque to me. I didn't know what a master's degree was. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I finally uh, got some information from kind of people around me about what it was. And I found out you could still be called a doctor if you got a PhD. Yes. <laughs> like you said. <laughs> and so I stumbled into our field simply because I wanted to end up being called a doctor, which is, <laughs> don't recommend, I, I don't recommend to the kids out there to, for that to be one of the main reasons why you go to a PhD. Hey, we're driven by all <laughs> kinds of things. Whatever floats your boat. Jeez. I will never, <laughs> I will, I will just try really hard to continue to call you Dr. Yeah. Hart. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Logan. Just to play that. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. And what's, yeah, anyway. And I'm, I'm like, now on the other side of it, I'm super casual and not many people do call me Dr. Hart. But it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, uh, and so I ended up uh, doing an honors thesis uh, and really enjoying that uh, and um, thinking, okay, yeah, I wanted to go do a PhD. But, you know, I thought I could just do everything on my own and I didn't know what I was doing. And so I applied for graduate schools. Uh, Somebody told me I could go to the U.S. I was in Canada, right? And somebody could tell me I could do a PhD in the U.S. and they would pay for me to do a PhD just like in Canada. So I applied for graduate schools in U.S. and Canada uh, and didn't get in anywhere uh, because I was just applying blindly and making just the poor, poor decisions because nobody nobody Mm. told me what to do uh, or how to do it right. 
Um, sure. And anyway, so you have a gap. I year. have a gap year. I worked as a lab coordinator for a year at um, oh, where I. That's not a gap year. <laughs> that's like still in the right. What kind of lab coordinating did you do? Uh, I what well, I so technically my undergraduate major we were able to um, specialize in a specific area of psychology and I did social psychology. Mm-hmm. I actually never took a developmental oh. psychology class. And so I was the, the lab coordinator. Program chair of the <laughs> developmental area. I have no formal training in <laughs> developmental psychology. <laughs> and so I um, uh, worked for a social psychologist who was a new incoming mm-hmm. ins- assistant professor in my department. And I blind emailed every professor in my department asking if they had work for me. Uh, and he was the only one that responded yes. Uh, and he was, uh, needed somebody who knew the department and I knew how things happened around the department. And so I worked with him for a year. Um, ironically, I actually did a project. He did a kind of a mini project with the lab preschool. And so I, I, it's the only time I've worked directly with children. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I did his, I did that project for him with the lab preschool kids. Um, oh my gosh. (laughs) Anyways, uh, and so I ended up after the next year, my honors thesis advisor kind of gave me some advice. Uh, At the time, I really was interested in intelligence research. And my honors thesis advisor was an intelligence researcher. um, And uh, I I was just always kind of, I was just interested in why some people were smarter than other people. I don't, it was just Mm -hmm. in general kind of, why does that happen? Individual differences at the core, but just a slightly different phenotype that I'm interested in now, a slightly different kind of outcome. And, uh, and so he, you know, counseled me after my first unsuccessful year of, of applying for graduate school. He was like, you know, there's not a lot of people doing work in intelligence anymore. Uh, and uh, there's no money in it, hardly. And he said, and the smart choice would be to go t- uh, to graduate school with somebody who has money. And he's like, and there's a lot of money right now in reading. Uh, and so that's a closely related kind of a, a cognitive achievement variable to intelligence. You should, we, we, some people read better than other people. Crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened is, is he busted out the most recent issues of, um, uh, a journal that he had on his desk and we flipped through, it actually was the journal intelligence and he flipped through and he was looking at the kind of the PIs that had been writing papers in the last few issues and who ended up being my graduate advisor had just happened to write a paper uh, in that issue of a journal. And so he's cool. like, yeah, do go, go work with him. Uh, he had met him one time in a hallway at a conference uh, oh. and he was like, he seemed like a nice guy. And I was like, okay. So I applied. Wow. We, I had a longer list than that, but that's who I ended up working with. I only got into one, one PhD program, but you just need one to get a PhD. Yeah. Uh, well, and so then I came down to the U S and went to Penn state and I did my master's in biobehavioral health. So not in psychology, not in anything wow. kind of human development or, 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 uh, developmental science at all. Uh, and a year into my graduate work, uh, my advisor got recruited to a different university. And so, uh, I ended up uh, switching with him and leaving, leaving Penn state with a master's as a parting gift and going to <laughs> Ohio state uh, and finishing my PhD there in human development and family science. So if you hear that, I'm getting a little bit closer to developmental science. It was a human development yeah. program. Uh, and, uh, and that was actually the first time I took an official developmental psychology class. I took one over in the psychology department and, and at Ohio state. Uh, 
uh, and finished my PhD in 2010. And uh, if that year sounds potentially familiar, it was a terrible year to graduate. And maybe we'll yeah. break up my story here at my graduation. And you, look at, you, you talk your origin story to your graduation <laughs> year, which was 2009, right? Yeah, 2009. Yeah. Exactly. So and uh, I think the listeners will, will understand why we break. Well, I'll break there because we have we have some overlap. That's an interesting story. <laughs> so uh, my... You you have a very admirable story. I feel like <laughs> I really like I like that you're you're driven by this idea of high achievement, you're recognizing your strengths and you're like trying to cater to them and you're really interested in things and being driven by them. And I I I feel like I have this the story I have is kind of more like the universe is telling me to do things and I keep saying shh. <laughs> I don't know. So I mean, I started off going to uh, going to university, going to to college for music. Um, so I went in, I went to college for uh, conducting and vocal performance and clarinet performance. So I was just I was taking you know twenty two, twenty three credit hours as a freshman and sophomore junior, pledging a fraternity, working three jobs, and just doing school all the way out Mm -hmm. I loved it so I just did I did a ton of music and then right towards sometime in the middle of my junior year I started to go I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to actually get a job in a symphony I'm not that good wow it was that it was that late eh? junior year it was yeah it was late beginning of my junior year is when I switched my major over and I started I switched to education and I did that for one semester (laughs) hated it because I switched to early childhood that so I had always really liked kids um, I have three younger sisters and I and a neighborhood full of children and I just constantly had a house full of kids and I always was talking with them so we I just like loved being around children I thought it was great and so I thought I'll go into early childhood education but my early childhood education classes were full of people who were not interested in being there and I found the work so fascinating. Like I was reading these articles, I was poring over these articles. I just thought they were so cool. I was reading these like fundamental developmental science articles about, you know, little Albert, all that stuff. I was reading all of the classic articles and I just thought they were so awesome. And people next to me were just like rolling their eyes. Anyway, so I didn't like that. So I went to my advisor, my academic advisor, who was not nearly as good as yours and said, hey, I went to a giant state school, right? So it's like there's, there's, I don't know, we had a lot of low touch um, contact points. So I went to my academic advisor and I said, hi, I'm kind of done being in school. So can you help me like graduate? I don't really have a major right now because I'm not going to do all this education stuff. And so he looked through my, uh, looked through my resume, not resume. What do you call those things? Transcript? Transcript? Yeah. Like what I had taken and said, okay we have this new degree. It's called a bachelor of university. Studies. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, if you take the right classes, you can be done in 12 more credits. And I was like, sign me up. Do you know, you so, know, sorry to interrupt you for a second, but I'm no, just kind of, ref- I have a degree in yeah, college. I'm reflecting on how many jobs must have opened up to you after getting <laughs> a degree in college. <laughs> 
I have two major majors and two minor minors. <laughs> so, I took a bunch of classes. It was like, you just have to round out these areas. They, so I have like a major in music and a major in English and a minor in, in education and a minor in psychology. Okay. So I took these uh, like three classes in psychology and one of them was psychology of language. And I was just obsessed with this class because I thought it was going to be all about little, little kids and how they learn language. And I had been keeping notebooks of funny things kids said for years because I just thought it was so great. The things that they say. Um, and so when we, uh, when I finally like was in this class with this guy it wasn't about child language at all it was sort of based around the question of is language innate or is it not innate and so we read a lot of papers on the language development um, idea but it was in that class where that professor he started talking about an experiment that he was running mm -hmm. and he sort of described the experiment and then uh, as I was listening to the experiment I was thinking to myself like okay, well, the way you set up that experiment won't work because you didn't think about the order you're presenting your stimuli in, whatever. And so then he explained his whole experiment and he said, we analyzed the data and we realized that we didn't actually know anything because of the way we set up the experiment and the order we put in the, put the stimuli in. And I was like, I like literally froze in my chair. I was like, oh my God, I already, I knew that. I knew that before he knew that. <laughs> what? And so then after that, he was like, well, if anybody wants to work on this study, you know, just come by, come see me. We'll, we'll talk about it. So I, I, I went to him and I, I just asked him, like, can I, yeah, I, I want to, I do. I want to work on this experiment. Can you help me out? Can I help you out? And so he gave me the experiment to design and I went away. I designed an experiment. I came back with spreadsheets and diagrams and like books of stimuli and I was like here's the way you should do it um and he sort of he looked at it and I had like little explanations for each one and he was reading them and he just sort of stared at me with his jaw dropped hanging open and looked down and looked back up at me and he was like have you have you ever taken research design and I was like research what no what's that research what and he was like okay so you need to go to graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> and I just literally said to him, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm bad at, I'm bad at school. We're just gonna, I'm trying to get out of school, done with school. That's my goal. So that was the first time someone told me I needed to go to graduate school. And um, eventually I continued working. I did that experiment with him. I went to a conference. It was wonderful. I had a really nice time. Um, and he tried to convince me to go to graduate school. He introduced me to three people at this conference and was like, you should go work with them. And I was like, I don't understand what you mean by lab. <laughs> Do I have to wear a lab coat? Why would I need goggles? I don't understand at all huh, what, what a lab is when you're talking about this kind of work. Um, and so I didn't do it. I went and I became a teacher. I was a preschool teacher for a year. But it was out of a preschool teacher develop, professional development course. I was recruited, basically, into graduate school from one of those. It was the most random meeting. So uh, I, I met this woman at a conference. She was giving a talk on child language development, which is my favorite mm -hmm. thing <laughs> at the time. And I talked to her after the conference, after she had given her session and sort of said, 
what do you think about this paper? I just read this paper last week by this person and he said X, Y, Z. What do you, what's your take on that? Given what you said here, I think you're a strict behaviorist. And I feel like this work here that you're describing sort of flies in the face of all of that. You know, this is evidence directly that behaviorism can't possibly be the only way that children learn language. And she did the same thing. Her mouth sort of <laughs> fell open and she looked at me and said, you need to go to graduate school. <laughs> you're like, that's funny. I've heard that before. <laughs> Someone else said that to me. That's weird. So eventually we kept talking and she had just gotten like that day. She got the NOA for a grant. Wow. She was like, I'm going to have a grant to study child language development. Come to graduate school with me. And that is, and she I applied to graduate school to go work with her. And I got in and went and worked with her in uh, the department was, uh, it's called research psychology. It was this little department at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. And it had a terminal master's program. So they only train master's students and then they okay. stop. So I got that research degree. And then through another happenstance meeting, ended up applying again to just one graduate school <laughs> to go to Florida State, which is where I got my PhD. Um, and it was entirely because somebody who knew me knew someone at Florida State and said, hey, this people at Florida State, they just got a grant to train graduate students. And I think you'll really like it there. You should check it out. And so that's those are my two very happenstance meetings of people physically dragging me <laughs> into graduate school. You need to go and I will not take no for an answer until you are there. <laughs> So yes, I went to Florida State and I have my PhD from the department and program that Sarah now runs. I mean, Dr. Hart now runs. <laughs> it is definitely a small world, that's for sure. So yes, I took a very windy, strange path to get <laughs> to where I am, not direct at all. Yeah, so you graduated in 2009. I did. Similar to me in 2010. Not great years well, to be... Looking for jobs? No, not at all. Uh, my, and my degree in 2009 is in developmental psychology. And then what I was really interested in, in though, was the, the methods and the quantitative pieces. And then I found this person who was, had a postdoc money. He was at Ohio State University. And so I went up and trained to be a postdoc, uh, trained as a postdoc in uh, quantitative methods of behavior genetics and it happened to be in the same lab where Sarah was yes working. in my final <laughs> year of my PhD and that was the first time we really met uh and worked together that year in the lab you know I was a senior graduate student and you mm -hmm. were postdoc and you taught me cool methods including uh, the one that I most remember because then I uh, um, led to a, a lovely publication was a latent profile analysis uh, and also you taught me, I think an M plus I had, you know, never, it's ironic. Everything I do is in structural equation yeah. modeling, but I had never actually taken a formal class in structural equation modeling. Uh, <laughs> I am sensing a theme. Yeah. Here, I, <laughs> I seem to work in an area that I was actually never officially trained in. <laughs> um, and so you trained me a little bit in kind of formal structural equation modeling. Uh, and then I graduated, you know, the following year, the following summer and, you know, equally didn't, couldn't find a job and then ended up doing a postdoc at Florida, <laughs> found somebody. 
Somebody with postdoc money. Somebody with postdoc money who I think was pretty much the only person on the planet that year that had postdoc money. Uh, And uh, he was at Florida State University in developmental psychology, which was, funnily enough, if the (laughs) careful was my advisor. Yeah, the careful listener might be like, that sounds familiar. I did my postdoc with your advisor. Yes, (laughs) your PhD advisor. (laughs) I feel like there's a little bit of within and between happening. I, I was, as well. I've been kind of trying to work through it with the within between joke, but I didn't quite get it on to get it yet. <laughs> but there is definitely a lot of within and between happening there. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So then I did my postdoc, you know, in, in uh, at Florida State in developmental psychology. And did that. And so well, to finish my origin story, then I guess, because this is where we start to see some between differences, I think. And that kind of makes yeah. us interesting that way. You know, we had we had a lot of similarities there for a few years training with the same people, but then I think had a different path. And now we're in different places. Uh, mm-hmm. So I did a two year postdoc and then uh, a job came open in 2012. Well, it was in you know, 2011, but to start for 2012. Uh, academic year, and I applied and got a position where I am now. So at Florida State, in the same uh, program, I was uh, incredibly lucky that I could stay after doing my postdoc and start mm-hmm. as an assistant professor. So I started as an assistant professor in 2012 and have stayed in the program now. Got tenure and promoted, uh, and I'm still there. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And so, what? Tell us about where you went after. Sure. So I did my postdoc. Well, the postdoc I did there was about a year and a half. And then I transferred into another lab, a research center where I worked as a uh, research associate. So I did a lot of um, data analysis and research planning. And I worked there in a soft money position for about six years. Mm -hmm. And yeah, about six years. And so this is my third year. I just finished up my third year on the tenure track. Um, where I switched over. That was nonlinear. So I did six years <laughs> as, as a research scientist uh, type of role. And then um, a position came open at Ohio State in the quantitative department. And given all of the work that I had done, even though technically I was not trained as a quantitative person, mm-hmm. like I don't, I'd never had any formal training in a quantitative program. I took a ton of quantitative classes and I taught myself a ton of quantitative stuff from workshops and from textbooks. Um, but I didn't, I don't have the degree in like quantitative psychology or anything like that. But, um, then because of the work that I'd done and the interest that I had built, that's where, why I ended up applying to that position and got it. And it's been so great. It's been so great. (laughs) I just really like this job a lot. It is not easy, but it's fantastic. I feel fortunate every day to have the job that I have. I love it. Yeah, me too. What it, it's like you get to read articles and learn about science and discover things about the world for fun. How cool is that? It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And so now and sometimes talk to friends. Yeah, about it. and that's right. it. And then now fast forward to 2020 and here we are. We're like, let's, you know, you and I talk a lot about kind of that how this the the sciencing science. How yeah. to do science, uh, you know, the, the science of science. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, we thought there was a space in the, in the podcast field for what we kind of wanted to talk about. Um, kind of, I think so. Yeah, because, you know, 
as we listen to other podcasts, um, I think, first of all, in people who are into developmental science are just learning about meta science. And I think that that you know, we we've been there for a couple of years without knowing that that's what we were interested mm -hmm. in, like you said earlier. So I think that we being able to talk a little bit more freely about that, hopefully we can we can open that field up a little bit more to more people in that way. Um, and then in the other podcasts we read, we're seeing or reading about um, or listening to that we have very specific needs and specific I don't know, issues in developmental and norms that are not necessarily the same in other fields. Um, and so I think that the issues are a little bit different here. So that's why we wanted to talk about mm -hmm. them. And I think that's why we think there's space. I, yeah, I think both of us are really frustrated with kind of that concept of the hidden curriculum, right? That, Ugh, you know, yes. that there's all these things that you're supposed to know in this job. And but like, who's supposed to tell you? And, you know, I yeah. think about it often, you know, I'm, you know, very motivated to train, I say train, so that the graduate students and the postdocs that work in my lab, you know, I'm really motivated to, to get, you know, talk about this stuff. But at the same time, you're mm -hmm. also talking about papers and the science and grants and, uh, and running projects and their classwork and their teaching and, you know, their lives as humans. And you just kind of run out of time. Uh, and so yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, don't get a, lot, a chance to, to talk about or hear about, um, you know, kind of, uh, oh, okay. Goodness, I don't want to say oh. it again, but how the sausage is made. I just said it again. I'm what? sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. You take it over, Jess. Stop me. We're not the sausage no, podcast. Come on. <laughs> no, but we, I think also one of the things you've said to me in some phone conversations before is that it's, it's, you don't want to only offer this advice to the people who ask yes, for it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, that, that there's some privilege there that we don't, that we want to try and equalize mm -hmm. that it's kind of like you read about people who say things like well I just emailed the editor and said why did you reject my paper and then they accepted it and most people like I would never think I would never would never do that, that blew my mind when I learned that happened on Twitter last year I'm like what yes. I first heard about it with seeing people talk about it on Twitter I'm like you can write the editor and you can just be like, please take it anyway. Yeah. And like object to your rejection. I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> what, what day was that taught? Yeah. Cause I missed, I missed that lesson too. So <laughs> things like that. You're right. We kind of want to democratize access to this information, I guess, mm -hmm. um, that we've learned. And then hopefully maybe we can learn some more as we're, we're doing this podcast and kind of share yeah. as we're learning. Absolutely. We'll have a lot, um, we have a lot to cover. Yeah, we do. It's really pretty astounding um, how much there is in this job. It goes, runs the gamut of all kinds of different areas. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then that's our preview podcast yes. of everything else we're going to be doing and the little introduction to who we are and where we come from. And we hope we see you again. In our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Within and Between. For information about this and all our episodes, you can visit our website, withinandbetweenpod.com. Connect with us on Twitter at within underscore between, where you can send us questions about developmental science and developmental sciencing. See you next time.